The following is an exclusive presentation of News Radio KMAN, your home for K-State athletics. This is Wildcat Insider with the voice of the Wildcats, Wyatt Thompson, and KMAN Sports Director, Mitch Fortner. And now to Kaluma. Arthur for three. Yes! And in that one, 20 seconds to go! Good call. Thank you, sir. How Good are call. You? Good. How are you? <laughs> Good. That was a wild, wild finish to a, another remarkably close game, right? Man, it w- had the conversation last week. Like, was that one of the loudest eruptions you've ever heard in Bramlage Coliseum? I think it's up there. And I think it is up there, too. It, and this was a different... Uh, day and game than Baylor wasn't it I mean Baylor you were so excited to come back twice you beat a top 10 team this was more of kind of scratching it out on a night where you didn't really have your edge in my personal opinion and you kind of slide by a team that you gave some confidence to early and is as we said going into the weekend um Probably a better basketball team than their eight and nine and zero and four record would show, and I think that yeah. proved out. Their, their young guys are young indeed, but they're also very talented. I thought Daly was terrific in the game. He's the lefty four man, uh, number two, good player. So, yeah, it, it was a <laughs> it was a scratch and claw, nail biting kind of game, but a good one to win. Well, you know Robert Allen, sideline reporter for Oklahoma State, and oh, I was yeah. I was telling him last week, I was like. You know, I, I I see the talent in Oklahoma State. I think it could be a matter of time before they finally find its traction, and they're going to start winning some games. And I, you know, I don't know if they'll be bottom of the Big Twelve, but I think they'll start to win some games sooner rather than later. And they almost, I mean, they, they threaten K State, and that's really the theme of last week's games, where K State comes from behind twice mm-hmm. against Baylor, and then the final three minutes or so again. Well, more than that, but it was really over a ten minute span that K-State was building a comeback against Oklahoma State, and they were able to take the lead with roughly about three minutes to go against the Pokes and uh, win two games in Bramlage Coliseum. Welcome to Wildcat Insider. I'm Mitch Fortner with the voice of the Cats, Wyatt Thompson, and A.J. Shaw wearing his black K-State hat is with us in studio today. The phone number is 785-537-1350. If you want to call in and chime in about the Cats as we talk K-State basketball both men's and women's for the next couple of hours we'll squeeze in some football news in as well as another cat has declared himself for the nfl draft and in hour number two at 5 20 we plan to speak with k-state athletics director gene taylor we have not had him on in a couple of months so i'm looking forward to hearing uh what he has to say about hoops so far he's now done with the college football playoff selection committee is he glad to be done with it i'm sure it's a great experience um but we'll have that coming up here in hour number two. Um, you know, as we, we, we begin the show talking about uh, these two wins for the men uh, on Tuesday and Saturday, I never would have predicted that of all the deficits K-State faced, their biggest would have been against Oklahoma State. Agreed. Because they were down 10 points with 10 minutes to go. Baylor's largest lead against the Cats was eight. And K-State, but what was so significant about that is they had to force their way back to force overtime. And then, you know, Tyler Perry misses the free throw. We're going OT. And then K-State had to scratch and claw down five with just a little over a minute to go. And K-State makes the comeback. 
in less than a minute. Mm-hmm. And Arthur Kaluma's and one on a four-point play was incredible. I'll ask you this. Have you ever seen a player hit a three where he was already laying on his back flat before the ball went into the hoop? <laughs> I hadn't I'll, thought about that, but it is a really good question. I, I guess just initial thought was probably not. It's pretty rare, I think, to be flat down and on your back uh, as the ball is arcing through the air and has not gone through the goal and or the net yet. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting take on your part. I, I'm, I'm telling you, Arthur is really playing some fantastic basketball right now. And, you know, he had, I think, three early turnovers – um, but after that, if you if you kind of look at his game from about maybe six or seven minutes in past that, I don't know that he can play a whole lot better than that. And honestly, on both ends of the floor, he was really, really good. And he's playing some serious minutes, 37 yeah. and a half against Baylor. Um, and that, that that's – I'm sorry, uh, 39 plus minutes against Baylor. Of course, there's extra five minutes with overtime. Yep. Uh, but also, I mean, in regulation against Oklahoma State in 40 minutes, he played 37 minutes and 38 seconds. That's a lot of minutes. And I know that is something that Coach Tang is concerned about with Tyler Perry, with Cam Carter, and with Arthur Kaluma. Uh, maybe to a de- lesser degree with a guy like Will McNair, his minutes had been gone – uh, going, I should say, up and up and up uh, since he kind of forged his way into that starting lineup. And I think that's why when Coach Tang was asked today at his little press conference about you know the minutes uh, with Will, was he better because he played fewer minutes? The, the short answer was absolutely yes, uh, because, because in 24-54, so basically in a 25-minute game, he had 10 points, five rebounds, a block, just one turnover, a couple of assists in the game and uh, made five of six shots, you'd take that kind of production every time, right? Because you're also getting a good quality 11 and 11 and a half minutes or so out of uh, Jarrell Colbert. Jarrell's numbers aren't necessarily just mind-blowing. I mean, he had two points, but but four rebounds, two points in 11 minutes. On top of what what Will gave you, that's that's pretty uh, pretty good work from the five position. I mean, we've seen different approaches, I guess, from the bench really boy, last three, four weeks about you just don't know what you're going to get game in and game out with who's going to play more minutes. Is it Mm -hmm. going to be Colbert? Is it Dorian Finister who saw uh, his numbers drop a little bit in the Oklahoma State game? We also saw more Danny Ames, who was back after an ankle injury. Heck, he was the first one out on the floor to take some shots in pregame after the women beat KU. Um, And then R.J. Jones, who hit a huge three, huge three against Baylor um, in overtime after K-State was down five. That cut it to two, and he got um, a, a few more minutes against Oklahoma State. So K-State's still trying to figure things out with the bench because uh, not a lot of points right now coming from the bench. So they're still trying to develop a bunch of guys. Well, I will say this, and I'll, I almost this is probably the wrong way to say it, but I almost give um, Dorian Finister a little bit of a pass from this past game in terms of number production. If you remember last week, we talked a little bit about, you know, th- this was a guy who very, very quietly in some ways was averaging like 5.3 points a game in Big 12 play uh, going into the Saturday game with OSU, which was really good. But he didn't necessarily have that kind of production this weekend, and some of it might have been Oklahoma State. 
But, um, you know, K-State had a couple of guys that were not feeling it 100%. And, frankly, he was one of them, and so was Tyler Perry. So, you know, you're, you're, you're dealing with a lot of things here and I'm not making excuses, but a- as this team tries to continue to play really rock-solid defense, which they're doing now, and get better offensively and get bench production, when you have a, li- <clears throat> excuse me, a little bit of an issue with, you know, a little bit of a flu bug or, you know, cold or whatever it might be, that does not help. But it goes around this time of year. That's the, We're in that kind of stretch right now. Well, for sure. And we didn't know that, at least I, as media, we yeah. didn't know that there were guys under the weather until after, um, after the game. Yeah, the Oklahoma yeah. State game. And I don't remember any names getting mentioned, but for sure. I mean, you know, I, I still appreciate them sticking it out and, and trying to play their best. And, you know, Tyler Perry still not quite in stride yet with hitting the threes. And I – I've seen it really – the frustration on his face is continuing to grow, I think. Nobody's more frustrated with his shot not falling than he is. Um, I will say, though, his his skills as a point guard and also just trying to get more inside, try to open up the offense by trying to be a threat inside the three-point arc instead of just always on the outside – I think it helps if he takes the ball inside a little bit and try to open somebody up for a shot is helpful, but he's also drawing fouls and he's got and he got to the free throw line a ton against Baylor. So, you know, I, I, I think and I, the second half, last two games, I saw it. It was right there in front of me. He 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 bricks a couple of shots in a row, and I could just see in his face he's got just got that real disappointed look. He shakes his head back and forth a little bit, claps his hands. He, he's super frustrated. He is not having the shots fall like he did um, against North Texas. That's one thing, but if he's still going out there and finding the points and getting to the free throw line, and that's been huge in K-State's wins is getting to the free throw line as they've been the best th- free throw shooting team in the Big 12, I'm willing to forgive if he's making up those points. And by the way, also, the assist numbers have been much better than I was expecting. Well, he's been pretty consistent in that five to six assist range and a couple of two or three turnovers for quite some time now. So I think he's been pretty solid there, even though he has been a little bit more inconsistent shooting the ball. But take into consideration that he played 30 minutes and six seconds. That right there tells you he wasn't necessarily feeling all that well. But the rest of his line isn't as bad as I think some would would maybe think it might be. He was two of six, one of four from three, four of five at the free throw line. He had nine points, five assists, two turnovers, two steals, and was plus six on the plus minus. That's not awful, right? That's 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 okay. But you would probably agree with me that most of the time, instead of taking six shots, he's taking twelve to fifteen shots. So there you go. That's that's his game and, and what made that different for him on Saturday for sure. So what happened? Well, a little blunder over there, but it really it scared me. <laughs> I jumped. <laughs> you thought you were getting you were gonna get shot at or what? I don't know. Yeah. But it but anyway, the the moral of the story is is that a couple of guys are under the weather. You turn the ball over seventeen times, but there were still some good things. One, you find a way to win, right? Kaluma was terrific. Last 10 minutes, Cam, who was okay for the first 30, was really good in the last 10. You get 20 assists on 25 made field goals. You make eight threes. Probably took a few too many early when you weren't getting enough paint touches. So 
you see the ride here up and down, right? It's like a little bit of a roller coaster here, as opposed to the Baylor game where they played more consistent basketball and, and just a harder team to beat in Baylor. Tyler Perry was uh, nine points against Oklahoma State. Tyler Perry with 18 against Baylor. Going back to the free throw shooting, he was 11 of 12 from the free throw line against um, Baylor. TP just one of four from three against the Pokes. Nine points. He was four of five from the free throw line. You know, another cat we need to shout out here as I was just kind of looking over the numbers here and I was uh, so rudely interrupted by uh, some music here just a second ago and it <laughs> threw me off. Nah, just joking. Um, Cam Carter, interesting game against Oklahoma State. Because mm-hmm. I think for a majority of that game, he was kind of struggling a little bit. Uh, and this season, I mean, Cam's production has been through the roof. He took it serious when Jerome Tang approached him and said, Cam, we need you to be more selfish. And we need, we need you to be more of a scorer. And that's exactly what he is this season. And that has not let up in Big 12 play. Against Oklahoma State, though, I mean, four turnovers for Cam Carter, you know, that just doesn't seem like in this season. Um, until Cats come down into crunch time, they need points, and Cam comes through with two of the biggest shots in the night, and the bank was open on a Saturday night when he banked in that three to take the lead and then banked in a two on the lob pass on the inbounds play from TP where that gave K-State the two-point lead after a tie ball game. So With just 1.2 on the shot clock, by the way. Right, yeah. and so Cam Carter coming through was monster for K-State. And it was, I mean, it was Arthur against Baylor. Cam Carter comes through against the Oklahoma State Cowboys. So, I mean, even him, like, down and out, seems like K-State's not going to win a game. Cam Carter, who had a rough game, comes through for the Cats. So I wanted to give a nod to Cam Carter for uh, being a leader and helping K-State get it done against Oklahoma State. Well, based on all of that that you said, okay, and, and I don't disagree with what you said, but let me throw a couple of things your way to kind of augment uh, the point that maybe he was off a tick on Saturday, but Cam Carter is still playing at a very, very high level. Saturday, he had 15 points, okay, that is 12 straight in double figures now, and over that stretch he has averaged 16.6 points per game, which is right at about his season average. So you, you want to talk about doing it game in and game out. That That's it. Five of nine from the floor, three of seven from three, you take that, right? Especially on a day where maybe he wasn't absolutely at his top. But again, when the game was right there, and K-State had to do something because they didn't have a lot going. He and Kaluma were front and center. They just were. Yeah, I mean, Arthur did not score for the first 15 minutes of the game and had a number of turnovers. Cam Carter had four turnovers, and it was just, you know, Tang said it after the game, like, I've never really experienced a, a sloppy win. Mm-hmm. And I, I understand or that. Win. Or an ugly win. And I understand yeah. that comment. I, Back-to-back first halves, it's been pretty ugly for mm. K-State. Just too many turnovers. Less in the second half. It just it, it was just, it felt strange to see just you know Arthur just dribble it right out of bounds or Cam Carter balls right in front of him and a Cowboy just took it away from him. Like I, I, I it's hard to explain like just how 
those turnovers were taking place this this past week. And in the last three games, turnovers have been way too many. They're averaging over 17 a game in the last three. Yeah, you, you've got to get that cleaned up as you go out on the road. This will be a difficult week uh, just in terms of the competition and the venues <laughs> um, and the talent of the teams, I guess. You, you've got two teams that are really outstanding. Um, we'll talk about them, I'm sure, later. But Iowa State's, you know, 10th in the net. Today, Houston's number one. So that right there tells you kind of all you need to know about what kind of week it is. Uh, but again, we've been sitting here and talking about this team for a little bit, but I think the consensus is as simple as this. They're playing quality defense now after a slow start to the season. They are still more inconsistent offensively, but with progress. And I think if you can get K-State on a night where maybe those turnovers are more like 12 or 13 or maybe 14 and not above that, and you're making good cuts, getting paint touches, I think they're going to be in a, a, a ton of tight, close games here going going for the next, well, whatever it is, a couple months. We've got a lot of basketball to play yet. Well, I think the, the key is the trail at the under four timeout in the second half. <laughs> give give them really something to fight for and re- yeah. watch that team really stride to well, a, to a victory. They they led by too much at Texas Tech. Well, let me ask you. Let me ask you this: Do you think it would be really bizarre or wild if I said, if it were not for Arthur Kaluma's last five minutes of the first half, K State may have lost the game Saturday. He, he was, saved yeah. their bacon late in the half when not, Oklahoma State was trying to get away from him. Yeah, not just points, but I mean rebounding exactly. as well. Exactly. Yeah, he was getting every rebound there for a while. Well, and speaking of rebounding, I mean Will McNair, who I, I wouldn't say you know he he had an up he's had an up and down last three games I would say, um, but dang it, when you need a rebound in crunch time, it's Will McNair that's getting those rebounds, and it, it, it's contested like he is. Two defenders around him, and he's the one going up and, and grabbing those rebounds. So. Position's the deal, effort yeah. and position, because when he gets that, you know, he's wide enough and strong enough that he's going to get his share. Um, and, you know, whether, to be honest with you, whether he's working against Brandon Garrison or Eve Misi or whoever it might be, guys that are pretty athletic, that, that's hard. But I'm just saying, if he has position, He's going to get it well, more and, times than not. And I mean, I'm now to the point where I'm like, you know, can we start looking at an Arthur Kaluma or a Cam Carter? You know, when it's crunch time and the time is ticking away, and you need a you need a shot. That's another option to, to yeah, Tyler. Need sure. more options. Yeah. Uh, to you know, let, let's maybe try to swing it over to Arthur and try to knock down that shot because I mean, Arthur has been pretty strong from three point range this year. I don't know if I have his. Numbers I can tell you what it up is. here. Yeah, go ahead. He's forty-one percent from three. I mean, there you 41. go. Forty-one. He's made thirty out of seventy-three this year, and he's just been—he's just been so consistent. Four twenty-plus point games, four double doubles, twelve game. Think about that: twelve games of seven rebounds or more, along with the the four double doubles. I think it's Arthur that needs to be your guy moving forward to t- try to go take a game-winning shot. I mean, forty-one point one percent from three. His career best was 31.1%. And that was last year. He wasn't really a three-point shooter a year ago, and now he's making two a game. Yeah. You know, studying like I do for these games, too, you know, you, you think about, we're talking about Cam Carter. Cam averaged six and a half points a game last year. And, yes, it was in a totally different role. I, I, 
I get that. But now he's at 16.6 for the season. He's 16.6 for the conference season. Consistency matters, and he and Kaluma have been pretty good here lately, for sure. And I know for a fact, um, I'm not going to doubt this team until the game's over. <laughs> They've proven too <laughs> many times that they can come yeah. from behind and go win a game. Sure. And uh, But now it's it, it, it gets more interesting, right? You have proven to start. You can start four and one in Big Twelve play. You can play with the big boys. You're not a team to be counted out. Now it's like, all right, now is this team a true contender? We now know what this team is going to be. Naquan Tomlin is not coming back. Quez Glover most likely won't play this year. So you now know what you got. You can. You've already proven you can go win Big Twelve games. But now you go into tough environments. Now you're going to to Hilton Coliseum. You're going down to Houston against top twenty five opponents. Now it's time to prove K-State's a contender. Uh, when we come back, we already know this team is a contender. My goodness, is this team red hot right now, and they even won a game without Aoka Lee in the lineup. She's out roughly four weeks. The K-State women's basketball team takes down the Kansas Jayhawks on Saturday, and now they're a top-five team. More on the K-State women next on the <laughs> Wildcat Insider continues. Mitch Fortner, Wyatt Thompson, and A.J. Shaw. AJ mentioned it. Uh, Chiefs win their division round of the playoffs yesterday of the Buffalo Bills. I picked the Bills to win. Uh, David G., who's a Chiefs fan, picked the Bills to win. And then we had uh, Owen in here who picked the Chiefs. So Chiefs get it done 27-24. They're off to their sixth straight AFC Championship game. They're not hosting for the first time in forever, but uh, they're going to the Ravens. I forgot to mention it because I kind of ran out of time, but that's a 2 o'clock kickoff in Baltimore. I believe that's the first time they're on the road for an AFC championship game since 1994 when they played Buffalo. That sounds right. What else was I going to say? Oh, Chiefs Kingdom at yeah. 6 o'clock. 6 o'clock. Mitch Holtis will have the show for you. So Chiefs Kingdom at 6. 7 o'clock, we start pregame coverage of the K-State women against Baylor. Boy, is that a big game. Um, we could talk a little bit more on that here in just a moment here, Wyatt, but um, the latest AP poll says there's only three teams in the nation that's better than K-State women's basketball. Colorado at number three. They're 16-2. and two. Okay. UCLA is 15-1. and one. They're number two. And the number one team in the nation has the longest winning streak in the nation, South Carolina. They are 17-0, and they're receiving every first place vote, which is 35. I don't know about any other K-State fans out there. I don't have any complaints, maybe except for use, or, uh, for Colorado. But guys, K-State women's basketball has its highest ranking in 21 years. It's terrific. And I was wondering, like, would the AP voters consider, you know, if they're paying attention, you know, Aoka Lee being out with that broken bone in her ankle she had surgery so now she's roughly out four weeks are they like well you know best player one of the best players in the nation KC's best player not gonna be out not gonna be playing for a while do we do we put them up there in the top five guys are a top five team they beat the Kansas Jayhawks 69-58 uh big win even okay you came into that game with a record of nine and eight um, you know that doesn't mean they don't have great players. And then, by the way, it was a week ago that they throttled, crushed Baylor at home, and we're talking by over twenty points. Yeah. Now, a big factor there was their starting center, Tayana Jackson, 
went off for 27 points and 19 rebounds against Baylor. Um, one note about the KCKU game, she only played six minutes, did not know why she came out. When she exited the game, she looked normal. Apparently what had happened is that at some point she had a couple of teeth knocked out. And I was like, whoa. So when that happens, you got to go emergency, dentist, whatever. You got to go right away or it could be permanent nerve damage. Yeah. So she had to leave right away. So basically at that point, okay, both teams were out their starting centers. You may look at it as kind of an even game. And after the first couple of minutes, K-State in control, led for the entire way almost. Got close there by KU a couple of times. They really got the paint game going. They weren't hitting threes. Um, so there's a big difference there that led to the comeback nearly. But K-State was able to hang on without Aoka Lee. Last year, it was uh, it was stressful to try to win without Yoki. Now they're 1-0 without her. So that, to me, is just already a sign of the improvement of this team after many other signs, of course. That's just another one. So, why I don't know if you got to watch much of this game, but also can't ignore the crowd oh. that showed up to that game. Well, um, I'll give you a quick uh, thought here on – Kind of my day, as you guys know, uh, the men's game followed the women's, uh, the women at one, the men at six. So game day is a little bit uh, hectic and busy, but I was, uh, as the women's game started, was over at uh, the ice basketball facility. Uh, The men had a walkthrough and then a film session and uh, had a couple of interviews to do after that film session for for the ball game. And so long story short, I got... uh, you know, back to the office, uh, which is in the Shamrock Zone, and then you know, changed and down on the floor with eh, maybe three or four minutes to go in the third quarter. And as I walked through the tunnel, I knew there was going to be a really good crowd. But it was so great to to walk into that South Tunnel and look up, and I mean, to see when they announced the crowd at ninety six hundred and two. I think that's that's out- correct. That's outstanding. Largest crowd since the UConn game, which would have been back in uh, December of 2016. Yeah. I had a chance to visit with uh, KU's play-by-play voice on the women's side, Stephen Davis, after the game, and he was talking about uh, Tiana Jackson, and she did you know, take a shot in the mouth and lost a couple of teeth, and they got her right to, uh, in an emergency situation, to the dentist's office. They were concerned about you know, you got to get those put back in there with trying to stay away from nerve damage and that kind of stuff. So it <laughs> probably evened it up a little bit with with Yoki being out and and now her out just five forty five into the game. But man, oh man, this team just continues to roll along. That's their twelfth straight win. Um, shot forty four percent. Did a lot of good things. I, you know, this is a big ball game for him tonight in Waco. That's for sure. But. I I've just uh, it just seemed to have a lot of chemistry, you know, right now and doing doing some good things. Happy for them. Well, a big key on Saturday was taking care of the basketball. They had oh, yeah. eleven total turnovers um, in the bench. I mean, the bench had to really come in strong and make some plays. So without Yoki, starts Gisela Sanchez. She's a Spaniard and. Um, can be a good shooter. Unfortunately for her, I mean, she she picked up two fouls pretty quickly. It was in the first, gosh, minute and a half. She picked up two fouls, and I was thinking, man, K-State Bigs cannot afford fouls for for roughly four weeks. Let's, let's put it that way. You cannot afford foul trouble. So she rolls out, and they start rotating in some forwards, and at one point even, Mitty went five guards 
on the floor. Mm-hmm. Um, he wasn't exactly, you know, 100% happy by the way that turned out, but it wasn't terrible. Um, but Gisela finishes with four points. She was 0 of 3 from 3 and 2 of 9 from the field. It also grabbed four rebounds. You know, the real spark there, well, two players. One, Zy Walker, has been phenomenal this year. Phenomenal. The redshirt freshman transfer from Louisville. She's a Wichita Heights kid. And uh, she comes in and picks up 15 points in almost 28 minutes. And, and, you know, got more playing time with the rotation and that extra, you know, the you could say the five. I mean, it was just, you know, she was kind of rotating in for a bunch of people because Gabby was struggling a little bit from the floor. And I say a little bit. She was 0 of 8 from the floor. She finished with four points. Her shot's got to come through in this in this uh, next stretch because of Yoki being out. Zai Walker finished with 15 points. And also Eliza Maupin. Um was getting very limited time this year with Yoki back. Uh, she's tall. She's athletic. Um, but slides down the depth chart a little bit because of her inexperience and with Yoki Lee being back. She was a spark with the rebounding. She was, I thought, the most athletic rebounder on the floor. She can jump high. Uh, you know, if I can make a comparison, you know, maybe not a whole lot of people will get this, but Honestly, where my mind goes is actually a high school player here in Manhattan. His name is Ian McNabb, who played linebacker on the football team. He is a dynamic rebounder. He comes out of nowhere. He's jumping super high in the air. just rips the ball away. That's what Eliza was doing, and she was grabbing some key rebounds in that fourth quarter. So when you're in this stretch where you're missing your best player, bench minutes are so key. And Casey was finding those on Saturday. Well, you mentioned a lot there with both, both Walker and and Eliza, and and the truth is, K State got twenty four points from their bench. And how important was that? Well, probably pretty much important when you think about Sanchez had just four points because of the the couple of early fouls, and then Gabby Gregory went over eight from the floor. So you needed something from somebody or something from a couple of people, and and K State's uh, able to get that. So. That that was really well done. Um, you know, you you look at um, I, I again that when you get that kind of production out of Zy Walker, how do you not like her athletic talent, man? She's just springy. And she's Tough. found her shot. Yeah. She's hitting oh, yeah. three point back to back games. She's hit a crucial three. The one against Texas turned the game around, gave yeah. K State the momentum for the fourth, and they did not give up the lead in the fourth. Then against KU, where KU got it down to a couple of scores, got it within three points. Zai, when it's getting down to the few final few minutes of the game, just steps up, hits a three, mm-hmm. cold-blooded, exactly what K-State needed. She's delivering the results when they need it most, and she's coming through in a big way. So that is – I mean, now you're looking at one of the best, like, first person off the bench, six-man. I hate saying it that way when we're talking women's basketball. But sure. um, she is one of the best. She's not being recognized as one of the best, but she is. And as a redshirt freshman – that's major. Um, real quick, I did want to mention, again, K-State, Baylor tonight. That's number four, K-State versus number 13, Baylor. I Just seeing K-State highly uh, higher ranked than Baylor is weird to me. <laughs> uh, has not been that way in a very long time. True. But things are different now, and it's really awesome to see. Now, you may be wondering, it's Baylor. Baylor has been a juggernaut women's basketball for a while now. I say juggernaut. I mean, they've won a couple of national championships with Kim Mulkey. They have another coach now. They're still very good. Does K-State have a chance without Aoka Lee? Yes, they do. Yes, they do. 
Um, they have lost two of their last three games. They just barely beat a okay UCF team where K-State handled UCF down in Orlando not too long ago. The thing about Baylor is they don't have a much size. They don't. They have a player that's 6'7", barely plays. They have a player that's – then after 6'7", you're going to 6'3", and 6'3". Mm-hmm. Those two players don't contribute a whole lot. So when it comes to true contributors, you're looking at 6'1", and, and smaller. K-State from, from 1 to 5 has size. They have length. And that's why their defense is so good is because they're long. A lot of deflections. They force a lot of turnovers. They can contest a lot of shots. I really like K-State's chances in this game against Baylor without Aoka Lee. But you need a Gabby Gregory to hit some shots. Mm-hmm. You need your bench players to come through and hit some big shots, grab rebounds. You need a good shooting performance because if you leave Baylor open, they're going to knock down their shots. They're a good shooting team. Well, and then you also have to rely on those that, that have been so consistent too. And I don't know that anybody on this team, this side of Yoki, has been any any better than Sundell. I, I loved her line from Saturday. She played almost the entirety of the game, 39 minutes, 22 seconds, made six of nine shots, 15.6 rebounds, seven assists, three blocks, three steals, and only three turnovers. That's unbelievable, man. Yeah, she's been a great point guard. Great point guard for K-State this year. Uh, Her numbers are improved from last year. Uh, Tip-off tonight between K-State and Baylor is at 7.30. It's a nationally televised game on FS1, but right here on K-Man, make sure to listen to this broadcast uh, because you're going to get Brian Smoller mm-hmm. and Randy Peterson. That's 7 o'clock for pregame coverage right after Chiefs Kingdom here on KMAN for a top 15 matchup for K-State women's basketball. Looking for their 13th consecutive victory, the second longest winning streak in the nation. A timeout. More Wildcat Insider is next. Continue with Wildcat Insider, Mitch Fortner, Wyatt Thompson, and A.J. Shaw. i got a couple of notes here on K-State football. Um, Daniel Green has made his choice on if he's coming back for another year or going to try to take his talents to the uh, pro level. He has decided to declare for the NFL draft. So I, I think, was Casey expecting that? I think so. Um, I was certainly expecting that. He's already, gosh... Is he 25 now? I think close. Yeah. Yeah. I know he had a birthday around the first of the year so or somewhere around there. So I think he was getting ready to turn 25. So he's already been in college football for six years. Um, now's the time to go. Now's it. You're coming off an injury. Um, yeah, and that sucks, but you, you got to try now at this point if he wants to go pro. Yeah. I wish him the very best. Mm-hmm. I'd probably say that about everybody that gets into this situation. But in his particular case where he's been through so much and he has been here a, a pretty lengthy amount of time, uh, don't know if I've – and I mean this as sincerely as I can say it. Here, here's what I want to really say. Okay, Tell me what you think of this. Don't know in all of my time at K-State covering Wildcat football that I've seen a guy that is more quiet than Daniel Green that was more popular with his teammates. 
He was very quiet. That says a lot. And it tells you a lot about the kind of person he is because, you know, he may not say a lot to the media necessarily. And I think I think DJ Giddens is a little bit like this. Uh, DJ doesn't have that experience yet, or, or as much as Daniel, but but he will. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's um, very interesting to me to be that kind of a leader and that kind of have that kind of influence on a football team. Um, no more than he says, and then also after he got hurt. You know, I mean, that that's the other thing that's so impressive about him, how engaged he was with the team even after injury. It's hard to do that, man. I mean, he's, think about all of the hours he spent, you know, getting ready for that extra year and making that kind of a commitment, and then boom, just like that, it's over. That's tough. And K-State, um, I, I believe he's actually already on campus and enrolled. I'd heard that. I don't know for sure. Maybe you do, but uh, Dante Cephas, who's yeah. a wide receiver transfer from Penn State, uh, was the fifth leading receiver for Penn State this past season, but when he played at Kent State um, for the Golden Flashes, he certainly flashed as in 2021. He had 82 catches for 1,240 <laughs> yards and nine touchdowns. So K-State gets some needed help at wide receiver. Yeah, so excited about that. And he is enrolled, uh, that's my understanding anyway, and uh, on campus and ready to go. And I, I think I've been led to believe that he he will be uh, somebody that's very impactful for the for the program. Uh, obviously, that was a big need for for K State to try to get a little bit more depth and frontline people uh, in in that particular room with the with the receivers. Um, Coach Middleton, I think, had uh, you know a pretty good relationship with him uh, at that time when he was in the MAC. Uh, so, uh, very very almost no downside to this one, right? I mean, this is a good talent. You, you need it, it's a need. Uh, I think he can be a plug and play guy. So here we go. And uh, you brought up Matthew Middleton, K-State's wide receivers coach, before he came to K-State this past season. He spent four years uh, there at Kent State. So they know each other quite well. Yeah, Uh, Matthew Middleton's been a very key part of the growth in in the talent of Dante uh, Cephas, who comes to K-State to play some wide receiver. Does K-State want to go after another wide receiver? Not quite sure yet. Um, I I think it's possible. Yeah, I do too. I, I honestly wouldn't mind that. Um, but we'll, we'll wait and see. He becomes the fourth. Uh, let, let me make sure I have this right. The fourth transfer for K State that comes out of the portal, obviously, but is a D one talent. So uh, let's see here. Okay, thank you for that. Um, we need to take another break. We're short on time. When we come back, we'll take a look back at the Big Twelve uh, this past week in college hoops. Next on Wildcat Insider on Saturday, ninety one eighty five. Well, they shot it pretty well. That was probably. In, in all honesty, the biggest thing. I think it's pretty fair to say KU was off a little bit. They shot 53%, but um, West Virginia shot 52% and made 12 threes. Pretty simple there. Uh, three threes for Creasa, three for Raekwon Battle, and three for Seth Wilson. That's big time. Poor Baylor. Oh, man. Have they been just had their hearts ripped out in back-to-back games thanks to, well, of course, Arthur Kaluma here. Yeah. And then um, who was it? Was it Hunter that hit the game winner for Texas on the runner at the buzzer? They're down 73-70. They get the three to tie it from Bridges. Hunter comes the other way, hits a game-winning shot at the buzzer. They lose 75-73. Ouch. And Baylor loses back-to-back games after they were uh, top 10 in the country, 3-0 and in Big 12 play. Welcome to the Big 12 road. My God. Yeah. That's just a rough rough way to lose a couple of games had a couple of top 25s this weekend as well texas tech beats uh byu at home 85 78 and then iowa state you know they they win another big game they win at tcu 73 72 after 
boy, it was clones up big at the half, and then here comes TCU to make it a game. They didn't have luck. Didn't strike twice though for TCU. They beat Houston, but they don't beat Iowa State. Well, when you turn the ball over as much as TCU did on Saturday, you're not going to win. They turned the ball over 27 times. 27. I'll also mention too that Tech at home lost or trailed at halftime 48-32, outscored BYU in the second half 53-30 to to win that game. And you know the one game that nobody's talking about that was pretty big? Oklahoma winning at Cincinnati 69-65. That was a big-time win on the road for them. We'll see them here pretty soon. Oh, yeah, we will. Not was, this week, but next. By the way, one more thing on uh, West Virginia. I mean, they, they got it done against KU still without Jesse Edwards. That's right. And I'm told that he could be back as soon as this week or this weekend. So he's getting closer. Raekwon Battle yeah. had himself a game with 23 points. Yeah, he's so a dude. Good for him. <laughs> All right, we take, uh, we take a break. Hour two of the game, or Wildcat Insider, is coming up next with Gene Taylor. K-State Athletics Director joins us at 520. Your local news next as well.